0: So, grab your coffee and your favorite notepad and let's get started. Welcome to the 31st episode of the Six Figure Product Business. So have you ever been curious how to create an actual strategy on Instagram, not just posting randomly, but actually create a strategy? Well, today we're talking with pet industry, social media marketer, Rachel Duran of Tell Your Tales. Rachel is spilling the beans on all things Instagram, everyone's favorite, I know, and talking about topics like why posting on the gram just isn't enough and why it won't work and what you need to do more of, why creating an actual strategy is essential. And then tips to actually stay consistent on Instagram, because I know being consistent is something that we all struggle with. Rachel Duran is the owner and founder of Tell Your Tales. She specializes in helping pet businesses attract and connect with their ideal customers so they can sell to them over and over and over again. Through coaching and tailored social media, email, and blogging services, Rachel is passionate about helping entrepreneurs tell their own unique tale in order to captivate their own pet business super fans. So if you're an online pet business or a brick and mortar pet and you're looking for help with social media, email, and blogging services, all done for you services, Rachel is going to be an amazing resource for you. So grab your coffee, grab your wine. This is going to be an amazing opportunity.
1: Hey, Rachel. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Hi, Carrie, Thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited to chat.
0: Yes. I love chatting with pet people.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, So before we
0: kind of dive into a lot of amazing stuff, can you just tell everyone a little bit about you and your business and kind of how you got started doing this?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my name is Rachel. Uh, I started Tell Your Tales about three years ago, and I offer digital marketing. And marketing strategy for pet businesses specifically. Um, So I focus on social media strategy, email marketing, and blog writing for pet businesses. And I actually was in the industry for 10 years before. So I was a general manager of a dog daycare and boarding facility and then was general manager of a holistic pet store. And I obviously loved working with animals and, you know, helping them, but I did find that as an introvert, the customer-facing aspect, the customer service aspect, although I was good at it, would just drain my energy. And what I actually loved was just kind of staying behind the scenes. And so I took what I knew about the industry and how frustrating and crazy it can be and, and moved behind the scenes to focus on marketing. And I love what I do. I work with so many amazing, dedicated pet businesses. Oh, I love that. I and mean, I love that
0: you can take the experience from the brick and mortar and kind of help it, you know, help uh, online businesses now with strategy. And do you work with mostly online businesses or do you also do brick and mortar?
1: Brick and mortar as well. Yeah. So, um, combination, uh, mainly, you know, service providers and product businesses as well. And there's some with online presence and some that are just brick and mortar. So.
0: Okay. Sure. Gotcha. What's your favorite type of online business that you work with? Like what type of business? Just curious. <laughs>
1: I would say that I do lean toward, um, a holistic pet coach or nutritionist based on, because that's Mm. really my passion, uh, you know, from working at the holistic pet store and leaning a, a more holistic life myself, I definitely gravitate towards those who, uh, you know, stress holistic health for pets. And so I do find that there Mm -hmm. are more pet nutritionists and coaches that are popping up. And it's really exciting to see that happen.
0: Oh, that's so interesting. I feel like that's one thing of the pet space. I'm not super knowledgeable, uh, knowledgeable, oh my God, I can't say the word, knowledgeable (laughs) um, about, I don't know a lot about pet nutrition at all. So I feel like I need to probably read some of your blog
1: content. Um, It's it's definitely becoming, you know, more of a mm -hmm. a popular profession. And it's great. I I love that, you know, pet owners are becoming more passionate about holistic health.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, just like look at all the pet, the pet food companies that are popping out. I know there's a lot of like farmer's dog and those types of like Ollie. I used to have Ollie for my dog for about six months. And I loved it. I love that company so much. But it, it is funny how, I do think with the pet industry, people are really treating pets like their children. And you can tell just by all the things that are the companies that are popping out that literally replicate human businesses. So mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting. Um, so we're going to talk about a few things. Um, one thing that I'm really excited to dive into with is understanding and attracting your ideal customer so when you work with all these you know pet businesses so if you're listening you have an online pet business a subscription box product company you sell you know anything that's in the pet space one of the most important pieces of that and what i like to call really a foundational part of your business is knowing and understanding who you're targeting and understanding how to attract that customer to your website on your social media like in your advertisements. So do you want to kind of tell us a little bit about maybe how you would advise someone to define their ideal customer? And then we can kind of talk a little bit about that after.
1: Right. Absolutely. So yes, you're right. That's so important. And it's, it can kind of be like this marketing buzzword where people are like, you need to know your ideal customer or your customer Mm -hmm. persona, or, you know, there's so many different terms for it, but it is actually a very important part of any of your marketing strategy and can so often get overlooked. So, uh, so just looking at some statistics that I pulled recently, thirty three percent of households globally have a dog, twenty three percent have a cat, and twelve percent have a fish. In the U.S. alone, sixty seven percent of U.S. households own a pet. And so, what I stress to a lot of my clients is the fact that sixty seven percent of U.S. households, so that's eighty four point nine million homes. Are pet owners. And you can't imagine that those are all the same exact people. They don't like the same things. They aren't frustrated by the same things. They're not, their goals aren't the same. Their demographics just on a basic level aren't the same. So how can you expect to put stuff out there, whether it's posts on social media or emails or blog writing and have it appeal to all of those people? It ends up, you end up basically trying to impress everyone and bringing Mm -hmm. in no one (laughs) because nobody feels that you're speaking their language or talking directly to them. So it is incredibly important. And the things that it can encompass go beyond, you know, age, gender, location. You also want to think about income their family situation. Do they have kids? Do the, you know, do they have a significant other, um, you know, their biggest pain points or frustrations, what they like to do for fun and then like their deep personal stuff too, like their biggest fears or their, their wildest hopes and dreams. Like those are important to think about. So I feel like the first step of it is really reflection. And this is, this can get glossed over so easily because you're like, I don't need to reflect on my ideal customer. But really taking that that moment to like journal and, and, you know, talk to yourself and and have conversations with others and even like create a vision board. I do have a free vision board activity that I I make my clients do um, Mm -hmm. so they can put together images of what they envision their ideal customer as, because when it really comes down to it, it's it's the person that you want to serve over and over and over again, the person that you want, you are happy to sell your products to over and over and over again, they light you up and you know, who wouldn't want to work with their favorite person all the time. So I think that Mm -hmm. that first reflection point is incredibly helpful and, and, and being clear with yourself. And then after that, there's definitely some research tools that you can use to learn more about them in the flesh. that makes sense.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I love it. And I agree with you. It's something that I also work with a lot of my clients on and, you know, whether they're in the pet space or, or, you know, non pet space, but it's such an important, it's such an important part. I mean, I can't even stress that enough. When I work with a lot of clients, we actually, no matter how big they are, I actually make them go back to that step one and redefine their ideal customer. And I do a bunch of other things too, but it's funny how even when your business is growing, you still, some people still have no idea who they're actually trying to target. And I know, especially with the pet space, I get a lot of students that come into my courses and let's say they are, they have a, a pet bandana business. I feel like a lot of people have, have and or starting a pet bandana business and they have no idea how to stand out. Their stuff becomes very, It's just, it kind of blends in, you know, and I think one thing that I love helping people with is visibility and how to make them stand out in a saturated market. And if that's something that you're trying to do, like you're starting a pet bandana business, that's a very saturated space. You have to do something different. You have to target potentially different people. You have to have a different like message and a different brand and I would love to hear from you a little bit on like, let's say someone is starting a pet, let's just use an example, like a pet bandana business. Let's say on Etsy, keep it simple. What, how, how should they get started? Like, how do they know who their ideal customer is and how do they sort of create this brand that could actually stand out, stand out against competitors?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So that first step is definitely reflection and and being clear with themselves on who they want to work with and who's, you know when they're envisioning when they had this this vision you know however long ago to start this business who were they imagining buying and then you know what pets were they imagining wearing the bandanas and really taking it back to that to figure out who they want to serve and once they have an idea of that then uh there's a ton of research that you can do online you can obviously just like google and stalk people i know like in a safe way of course like not in a creepy way but you can check out those people like you know, you found out who your person is, now go check them out on social media. How are they interacting with others? How are they phrasing things? What terms are they using? That kind of stuff. Um, You can also, you know, even if you're not using something like Facebook, Facebook audience insights is an incredible tool to check out. I recommend it for any business, even those that aren't using Facebook, check it out and play with the, the tools on there and pop in the information that you've come up with for for your ideal customer and see what it tells you. It'll tell you a lot of information about what these people like, what they, you know, the magazines that they read or the furniture stores that they shop from, that kind of stuff. You're getting really into the weeds with, with stuff like that. And, you know, so having, having that, that research to back it on, and then think about sending out some initial surveys and kind of like getting your feelers out there, figure out, you know, what people are wanting to see from you from, you know, as a business, what patterns or, or, you know, what, what's attracting them to your brand in the first place? Because I think that um, surveys can get this bad rap of being annoying, but you can absolutely create small little ones to get, information directly from your people, because it's literally straight from the horse's mouth in that case.
0: Yeah, I love it. I I agree with you about surveys, the Facebook audience. I think that's all amazing information. And it just as much as you can get about your customer. And you really have to know it's like, I say, kind of like peeling back an onion, you have to peel back the layers. And if you just think, okay, my ideal customer is a 20, 25 to thirty-five female with a dog, like that is not enough. That is not no. enough at all. And if that's if that's your strategy, then you're gonna have a really hard time building traction in your business, getting customers. Because again, when you know you're targeting, you know, a 28-year-old marketing executive who lives in New York City, she shops at Whole Foods, she loves the foggy dog. And she buys all of her pet apparel from like let's say Ripley and Rue or something, you're targeting a very specific person and you can speak to that person with all that information that we just, you know, like the the targeting and like the, the specifics, like what's their pain points, why do they want to support a business like yours? And like really drilling into those deep layers. And you have to go beyond that, like 25 to 35 female with a dog like that is not enough and I love to hear feedback a little bit more because I feel like I get this question all the time and again I always like when people can hear this probably I'm going to assume your response but I'll ask you anyway um (laughs) when they can hear it from multiple people so again let's go back to this someone's going to start a pet bandana business or dog bandana business on Etsy do you ever feel like it's a good idea to drill down into like targeting a specific dog breed so let's say they, they're kind of thinking maybe a French bulldog or maybe a golden doodle. Do you feel like you would advise people to drill into a breed specific niche, or do you feel like that's too 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 drilled down?
1: That's an interesting question. I think that I think that it it depends on their initial reflection and why they started their business in the first place. If they feel incredibly called to a certain breed uh, assuming they probably have it right or you know have had it Mm -hmm. all of their life or whatever their scenario is i think that niching down to that extent can be a strong strategy um you know like yeah especially frenchies corgis huskies that kind of thing that's mm-hmm. definitely an option. It depends again on that o- original reflection, you know, what, what your vision is and what your main goal is for having this bandana business. And in, in the first place, if you really are trying to build a community around fellow Frenchie o- owners, then go for it because chances are you're going to reel in those Frenchie owners, but you're also going to attract some other breeds as well. hmm
0: Yeah, I agree. And I also feel like, too, it's a good starting point. You can always evolve your brand. You can always rebrand. But getting that first audience, building that first group of your customer super fans, that's going to help you build that traction and build, you know, build a name for your business. And you can always kind of open that up and expand more. But I always feel like niching down as much as possible just will help you get started, you know, Um, because if you're trying to target dog people, but you're you know, you're, you focus on targeting French bulldog owners, you're going to have a really, you're going to have a lot easier time targeting French bulldog owners because you can speak their language. You know, French bulldogs are different than retrievers. They have different health issues. They wear different, like bandana size. Like it's a completely different dog. So when you niche down, you can speak to that one person and your messaging becomes clear and targeted to one person and not everyone. So I love it. I love ideal customer talk. (laughs) Um, And then I think just one more question around ideal customer. How do you feel like you can attract your ideal customer online? There's so much advertisements, you know, everyone tries to copy each other with social media and the posts and graphics and captions. How do you feel like, um, how do you feel like you can attract your ideal customer online?
1: Yeah. So one of my favorite tools, so obviously like as you're surveying people, we talked about surveying. That can be a tool in and of itself, you know, the information that you're learning, you can then take that information and pop it into one of my other favorite tools, which is called voice of customer, I keep a voice of customer log. And essentially what it is, is it's a spreadsheet can be super, super basic. And what you're doing is you're copy and pasting actual things that your ideal customer have said. And this can be things that they've said online, but it can also be things that they've said in person that you're remembering to the best of your ability. Okay. So in your voice of customer log, you are going to pop in either copy and pasted things that your ideal customer have said or online or have said in person that you're remembering to the best of your ability. And you're, you can also pop in details about the context of that conversation. Like, were they leaving a comment on social media or were they, you know, out and about and you saw them at a coffee shop, like what, what did they say? And sometimes it it doesn't seem like very significant, whatever they've said, but the more that you pop into your log, you're able to say like, oh, that's interesting. They used the phrase sassy. Like that's a very specific thing. And so how can you then take the things that they've said and repurpose it and use it back on them using their language to further attract them? I think another big Point that I want to stress is there's this really good book that I do recommend. It's called Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. And in it, he talks about uh, you as the business owner being your customer's guide. So the customer is the hero of the story and you are their guide. And as their guide, you need to show up with authority, meaning that you are an expert in your field and you know what you're talking about. And then also empathy, like you understand their problem. So going back to a Frenchie owner, you know, looking for a bandana, you understand that you're, you know, you have a hard time finding a bandana for your Frenchie neck. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're speaking to that particular problem that they're experiencing and you are expressing empathy and authority throughout that. I love that. And I love that example too, because that's exactly
0: what you just said about the Frenchie's neck. Like that is exactly the type of stuff that you want to drill into when you are creating social media captions text on your website because you're speaking you're um referring to pain points for that one customer um and you can imagine like if your whole website or social media was filled with these like blanket dog statements think about how little traction you're actually going to build so i love that you i love that book by the way one of my faves i think the guys the guys that He's a he's a freaking genius. Um yeah. such a good such a good book and storytelling is so important. It's so important. Um but yeah, I love that example that you gave too because it's it really speaks on the importance of like drilling into your customer and knowing the problems that you have and how your product or your brand can help those problems. So, I love it. So, I think moving on to another thing that I I know this audience will love to hear more is Instagram. I think Instagram is one of those platforms that people just cannot get enough information on it and how to use it better. Do you want to just talk a little bit about Instagram strategy? Um, Just maybe some key points that you want to share about it and how people can really leverage it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, Instagram, obviously, as you can imagine, there's a lot that goes into your Instagram strategy. At the forefront of it, you have you, who you are, and your branding. That needs to be, you know, if you're showing up inauthentically to yourself online, if you're not fully aligned with your own business, that makes things, one, incredibly difficult for you and more likely for you to burn yourself out. So that's the first step is just making sure that everything with you and your branding is aligned. You know, if you are somebody who uh, lives like a more glamorous life and you shop at Louis Vuitton and then your brand is like this rugged, you know, natural brand that isn't going to align and you're going to feel that you might feel like icky or uncomfortable. So getting clear on that first. And then again, looping back to your ideal customer and making sure that anything that you're posting on Instagram is speaking their language. It's, you know, it's talking to their pain points or it's inspiring them or, or talking about future goals that they may share, things like that. Um, The next point is, you know, in, in general, if you're looking at social media as a whole is to then based on you and based on your ideal customer to select your platforms. And uh, for a lot of people that is Instagram. So once you've mm-hmm. selected Instagram as your social media platform, you want to think about your main overarching goals. So like, why are you even here to begin with? And a lot of times I can be like, well, I just because I should be. And yeah, <laughs> I guess like we all are, you know, feel this this, um, call to exist on social media in today's world, but Mm -hmm. taking that away and saying, okay, well, like, what do I actually want to get out of this? So do I want to build a community? So do I want, you know, people to really rally behind my brand and have this group of super fans who are just like commenting and engaged and just like really, really into my brand or, you know, am I looking maybe to boost sales? So those are very, two, very different goals. And so having that clear overarching goal to begin with is incredibly helpful to make sure, like, as you're posting something, does this, is this helping me reach my goal? Because maybe it's not. Uh, The next step would be to build your own content calendar of some sort. And this is not like, you know, it doesn't need to be complex. This can be a very simple spreadsheet. It can, you know, just be a Google Doc, whatever works for you and how you work best. But within that content calendar some of the things that you want to have are things like your content pillars so these are the topics that you talk about um you know not making sure that you're not spreading yourself too thin and and you know coming trying to come across as an expert in all things cat for example you're pinpointing specific topics that you will consistently talk about to build that brand recognition and serve your ideal customer the other things that you want to keep on your content calendar are individual post goals. So you have your main overarching goal on social media, but each post itself needs to have a goal of its own. And I personally like to follow what I call the ACE, ACEs format. And so that's, uh, the A stands for authority. So posting a post that shows your expertise and shows that you're an authority in your field. The C, your next post is connection. So posting something that is relatable and maybe a little bit more personal people can connect with you on. Then E is engagement. So you're posting something that can really bring in that the conversation and comments and people can again relate to things and contribute their own thoughts. And then you go through that again. So you do ACE, ACEs, and that final S is a hard sell. You're selling something. You're saying, Hey, buy this, you know, book this now, whatever it is. Um, so those are individual post goals. And I think that those are incredibly important to rotate through and make sure that you're not just selling, 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 or the other end is like, you are never peppering in selling posts at all. You're never selling yourself. You're literally just, you know, sharing your expertise and giving tips for things without ever saying like, Hey, you know, buy this thing. Um the other things that you want on your content calendar are just making sure that you're keeping track of like business and seasonal happenings. Like what's going on. It, you know, it's always the worst feeling if it, you're like, oh, today's national puppy day. And you're like, wow, I could have done this thing <laughs> around this. I could have done like a contest or, or something I could have, I could have have this vision and I didn't plan for it. Um, also putting in calls to action. So, you know, what do you want people to do next after reading your post? Do you want them to comment? Is that what you're telling them to do? Or do you want to send them to your link in your bio, for example? Uh, A couple others to throw in there are like status details. So like where you're at in creation of a post, if you're still editing, you know, grabbing photos, writing the caption, where are you? And that's especially helpful if you have a team. And then repurposing opportunities. So, this is something that I feel isn't tracked or thought about often, but I feel like it's much stronger to think about how you can repurpose something when you're actually in the thick of it creating. So, you're writing uh, an Instagram caption and you're thinking, okay, well, this is five pet care tips that I'm giving. Uh, How can I break this down? Maybe I can break this down into five different reels, or maybe I can elaborate on these five things and make a blog post. So pinpointing those opportunities to repurpose is incredibly helpful from the get-go and to pop that into your content calendar so that you, you know, next time you're writing a blog post, you're like, perfect, I'm going to take those five points and I'm going to expand on them a little bit more. Uh, Popping out of the content calendar itself, there's also what comes into your strategy is engagement. So making sure that you have some sort of engagement plan in existence. And everybody's is going to be different. And the amount of time that you're able to put into it is going to be different. But making sure that you are actually using the platform for social media. So being social as opposed to just posting and ghosting and expecting people to come to you and interact with you. And then the last part of uh, your Instagram strategy is analyzing. So making sure that you are regularly and consistently checking your analytics to make sure that, you know, your, your posts are spot on with what you're, what you're wanting to achieve. And if not, you just make adjustments because, you know, it's, it's what it's a, a totally inconvenient thing to be just posting things and crossing your fingers, hoping that they're working without looking and making adjustments going forward.
0: I love it. I love that you brought in the analytics part. Cause that's something that I'm very passionate about always making decisions based on data and numbers and not just because you think, you know, I think this is what my audience likes, but actually, actually understanding how to look at your numbers is important. But I love that. Um, I feel like you brought in so many good points about creating an Instagram strategy for your online business or online pet business. Um, one thing I would love to hear more about is, what are your thoughts on reels? Like how can people incorporate reels and video to build their audience, build more engagement, attract people, attract their ideal customers?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, reels are huge (laughs) right now. Um, I was reading Mm -hmm. something the other other day that said video content they're predicting will be 82% of all global internet traffic in 2022. So I feel like that's Mm -hmm. an incredible testament to the fact that video is here to stay. And if, you know, at the very least it's growing. So, um, reels are, are huge and, you know, that does dive into, especially what I see in the pet industry is a lot of pet business owners tend to be introverted. And so they are like, uh, I don't want to do that. So there is (laughs) an aspect of, of pushing yourself to get a little bit more personal and get, you know, and relate to your customer. Um, you know, some of the, the major trends are like pointing to things or dancing, you know, take those opportunities and, and recreate them in your own, you know, discussing your own topics or, um, or you can also just consider, you know, getting creative and creating something yourself, coming up with a whole new idea, but really just starting with those trends and figuring out how you can tailor that to your own topic and your own customer. Uh, what I'll tell, like a lot of my pet industry clients is to look at, people not in the pet industry, because a lot of times if you're looking at your competitors doing, you know, a bunch of reels, number one, you can, you know, there's that, that effect of feeling kind of crummy about yourself that you're not, you're not doing the same. And you just feel like you're not, you're not contributing enough to Instagram or or whatever. And the second part is then you can get kind of like blinders on where you're like, okay, they created this reel this way, but I don't see Any other way to create this reel? Like, you can't see it. You can't creatively see another way to share similar content or use the same kind of format. So, what I tell them is to look at other industries entirely. Like, look at real estate agents or personal trainers, or, you know, I don't, I'm blanking on other professions, but just like really random. Other businesses to see what they're doing and use that as your inspiration. You know, check out their reel and be like, Ooh, I like what they're doing there with that dancing, or I like that pointing technique, or what they're doing with the camera, and then use that for your own.
0: I love it. And I was laughing too when you were talking about how a lot of pet businesses are introverts, because that was totally me when I had my uh, subscription box business. I definitely did show my face, but now with my current business and how I, you know, I work with all different types of business owners. And I, I basically say, you have to show your face. Like you have to get on video, you have to incorporate storytelling and video is is an amazing way to showcase products. And I'm laughing because that was completely me before. And, you know, video terrified me, absolutely terrified me. So I, Totally relate. I feel like I'm definitely an extroverted introvert. But I would also say like a recovering video phobe, um, if that makes yeah. sense. Because now I I do video all the time. And it doesn't, uh, it doesn't like phase me. But um, I don't know, it, it can be hard. It can be very scary and almost tr- like traumatizing in a way that sounds weird. But it, I, I know it because that's how I used to feel. Um, I felt traumatized to get on video. So um, I don't know. It's hard, but I do agree with you that showing up on video um, reels is a really creative way to showcase products. And I, I've seen so many, you know, on a variety of industries that I don't like some of the reels stuff. And I think like when I first started doing reels, I, I thought, okay, do I have to do this dancing stuff? Cause that's never going to, <laughs> that's never going to happen. And I, I think you definitely don't have to do any of that nonsense, but Um, You have to do stuff that feels comfortable for you, especially if you're someone that does not like video or hasn't done video. It's very scary that we're sitting here telling you, no, you have to do reels. Like, of course you should do it. Um, I think you have to start really simple and small and don't worry about these crazy people doing all this crazy, crazy dancing. Like, keep it super simple. What's the easiest thing that you can do for your first few reels? And then you'll get better. You'll get more creative and you'll get more comfortable. So... I just have to point that out because I remember doing my first reel. I don't even remember what it was. It was probably something terrible, but, um, you know, it was just fun. Like you have to, have, you have to have fun with it. And I think the best part of reels is that you can do, you can have music. So it, it in, like music instantly makes something more fun, but I would just say, You know, think of creative ways that you can showcase your products in a fun way. Like reels, I feel like are, yes, you can use it for educational stuff. And I see a variety of people doing different things, but I feel like a very effective way to use reels for, especially for a product business, is showing your products in different angles, different backgrounds, different music. Like, how can you incorporate, especially if you're a pet business, how can you incorporate your own pets? Um, I think one company that does this really well, Ripley and Rue, I talk about them all the time. They, I feel like the owner of that company just nails, she's nailing reels. And so if you're wondering, okay, how can I do something creative? Definitely check them out. They are masters at lots of things, but I feel like with video and reels, they, they just do such a good job. Um, I don't know if you've, if you know them, but what are some, what are some pet businesses that you feel like are just crushing it on Instagram?
1: Oh my gosh. I'd have to look, I mean, everybody, it's, it's, I feel incredibly inspired. I feel like when I hop on, just knowing that a majority of them identify as introverts and they've just taken Mm -hmm. this opportunity, this new feature to, and just go with it. It's, um, it's incredibly, I don't know, it feels very empowering to be in this industry right now and to be working with them because I mean, I know what it was like just, you know, working at dog daycare and holistic pet store. It's like, get on video. Are you kidding me? Never going to happen. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> thinking about how you were saying music makes it fun. The other option too, is like, if you're not, um, if you're not there yet, you like, don't want to show your face, then a voiceover is a great place to start. So you're showing your products and then you can at least share your voice, um, you know, as you're, you're talking about the products or you're telling a joke about the product or whatever it is, depending on your business, but that's a good way to inject a little bit of personality without feeling like, oh my gosh, they're looking at my pimples.
0: <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I agree. I think you just, I think it's really important just to start small where you're comfortable. And I think over time you will build more confidence and just like figure out how to use the, the features more and better. But I think we get very bogged down with Oh my god, my customers are going to hate it. I'm going to look stupid. I look terrible on video. My face looks fat. Like I feel like, feel like we have all these insecurities and they they prevent us from growth. Like they prevent us from actually moving forward in our business because we're always afraid of what other people think. Like what if I look bad on camera? Like what if I show my face and my customers don't like it? Like I don't know. I feel like we we get really bogged down by fear and in the end customers are gonna hundred percent feel more connected to you and want to buy from you if they actually see who you are like they don't care what you look like they don't care that you're having like an inch of roots with gray hair like people don't care about that i think we ourselves care but customers don't care they're gonna be like okay cool this this chick is super authentic and i want to buy from her versus amazon you know what i mean
1: right absolutely and if they They see you, you know, showing up Uh, a lot of times what they might not even notice the flaws that you're talking about, like the pimples or gray hair, Mm -hmm. but subconsciously it's telling them it's, it's showing, you know, it's telling them that you are a human and that leads them to, to, you know, really feel aligned with your brand because people do buy from, from people they know, like, and trust. And, and especially Mm -hmm. in today's age, I mean, I know that you have a connection to Amazon, But like, there is a, 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 you know, people are boycotting bigger businesses, they're boycotting Mm -hmm. that because they want to support smaller and local businesses. So, you know, you showing your face and and worry, being worried about your flaws or your quirks, those are just subconscious, like, triggers for your customer telling them like okay this is this is a human and i like this human
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. i love it i love it so much i and i talk about this pretty much everything that you say i'm like okay i just i was literally just had this conversation with one of my clients yesterday or like i had that conversation with my students like three days ago i love it um (laughs) we definitely speak the same um the same language but yeah i think so much of instagram strategy social media like your entire online business you have to show that humanization of your brand. And I talk about this a lot. Like how, why would someone buy from you versus Amazon? And I have to say Amazon because Amazon is easy. Amazon makes it mm-hmm. so easy and idiot proof to buy from. You literally go on their website. You're like, okay, cool. I need to get, um, I don't know, like a, a new water bottle or something. You scroll through a couple of times. You see something that you like. You click and it's, it's literally... Being sent to your house in two days no one else makes it easy for people for you for people to buy like that and so you have to always think someone is probably going to buy from amazon over me so how do i get that person to want to buy from me and that's not going to be because of you know x y and z it's going to be because they like you they know about your brand they know about your story because you've taken the time to humanize your brand So they don't see you as like this robotic Amazon company. They see you as like, you know, Rachel that has the pet bandana business and she donates a portion of sales to pet rescues. And she shows up every day and talks about her dog and like the inspiration of why she started her business and all the care that she puts into curating these bandanas. That is what is going to get someone to buy from you. Not this other nonsense, but it's that humanization part. And it's so important. I feel like we've gone on a tangent a little bit, but I love this tangent because I think it's something that is so important and that if you're not humanizing your brand, it's going to be very hard for people to buy from you and not from, again, like an Amazon or a more trendy company in your space.
1: Right. Right.
0: Absolutely. So I love that. Um, and then in terms for Amazon, or not Amazon, in terms for <laughs> Instagram, I think just like one more question. I know we're kind of running out of time, but So going back to video, how do you feel like people can leverage Instagram stories to sell products?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, video, as we're saying is, is huge right now. Um, Using stories as, as a as snippets of behind the scenes. So, you know, showing you making, you know, your products or what goes into packaging or that kind of thing. And then also uh, with product businesses, user generated content is incredibly useful. And so that's, you know, people reposting, you know, their pets in your bandanas, for example, we've been using that example. <laughs> um, mm. <laughs> so, you know, reposting that user generated content, you know, shows that builds that community and shows shows other people like, hey, they're, they're, this is like, this is a a cool brand. There's other people that are flocking around this and uh, that bandana looks so cute on that dog. It's probably going to look really cute on mine and and that kind of thing. But I think keeping it, keeping it casual. So reels obviously require like a lot of, I don't want to say a lot, like it's not a crazy amount of work, but it does require some editing and some creative process behind it. But stories really can just be you hopping on. And that's where, your strategy is like not a strategy in in a way it's you hopping on saying like, I have a thought, this relates to something that I posted the other day. Let me go on and show it or, or talk about it, that kind of thing. So, so leaving it very casual. And then I do want to say, you know, video is trending up. Uh, I am a big advocate of using subtitles. So there isn't a ton of uh, research behind this yet, but I was just looking at an influencer's story who had polled her people and she had over 4,000 people respond. And she asked, do you, you know, do you watch stories without sound often? And 73% of people who responded said yes. And so that tells us like, if, you know, somebody hops on stories and, and they can't hear you, they might just move along. And so keeping the, your stories accessible to everyone, whether they're hard of hearing or they just prefer to have the sound off is incredibly important. And I think that we're going to see that trending upward.
0: Oh, I like that. That's a very interesting st- statistic as well. Like the 70% of people, um, yeah. are, I hope are not listening more
1: Research around it for sure.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. I know there's some, I feel like in one of my masterminds I was in, one of the girls was talking about a App that you can add your Instagram, like that you can add subtitles to Instagram stories. I forget what it is.
1: I use one called Threads. Um, and so oh, that's it. Yeah. yeah, that's it. So you have Threads. to take the little snippets. So, you know, each one's 15 seconds. And so you literally are uploading each 15 second one into Threads, having it generate, and then you save it again. So it's, it's not, it's a little clunky, but it gets the job done. Um, you know, maybe adds on a couple minutes. And I feel like, you know, as we're seeing this trend, more and more mm-hmm. people should definitely check it out. You can oh, you also have the option of just typing in what you're saying. If you want to just keep listening to yourself on a loop over and over.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, um, yeah, I feel like I need to get the threads app. I, 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 is there one called like threadies or is that, is that a clothing company? What am I thinking of? Oh, I
1: have not heard of that maybe, but it might, it also sounds like a clothing company.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. I think I'm mixing companies. Um, Okay, cool. Well, this was amazing, Rachel. Thank you so much for sharing amazing insight. I know all the pet people that are gonna listen to this are gonna be super pumped to just get some great information on how to like niche down and also how to leverage Instagram, which is most, I feel like is most people's favorite platform. So super exciting. So just to before we hop off, um can you just tell everyone where they can find you um, on website, social media, et cetera, and then what kind of services you offer?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So my website is tellyourtales.com and tales is spelled T-A-I-L-S, like a, like a tail, like a pet tail. Um, and then I am mainly on Instagram. So instagram.com slash tellyourtales. And in terms of services, I offer social media strategy. I do believe that your social media comes across, you know, more authentic and is more genuinely you, if you, if you are, you are in the thick of it, but my strategy calls revolve around us working through things together, planning out content and making sure that you're following best practices and things like that. Um, and then I also offer blog writing done for you, blog writing and done for you email marketing. Oh, nice. That's amazing. People.
0: Yeah. I like the blog writing part because I feel like so many people that I work with students and my courses always are asking about people that can help them with blog. So I love that. Yeah all right awesome um thank you so much rachel this was amazing and um you know i feel like we can can probably continue this conversation on another episode in the future if you want to come back but this was super fun so thank you so much for coming on thank you
1: so much carrie
0: absolutely love that episode as a former pet business owner i love talking with anyone who works with pet businesses or has a pet business it definitely has a special little place in my heart so Absolutely loved having Rachel on here, and I love that she helps all all the pet businesses out there, so absolutely love it. And today's episode is brought to you by my one-on-one coaching services. So if you need a business coach, a mentor, a consultant to come in, take a look at your business and give you a marketing strategy to help you get more customers, get more sales, retain customers all the things, then you can apply for my one-on-one coaching services, which I will leave a link in the show notes, but you can head over to CarrieFitzgerald.com yeah.com and, um, check out some of my services. I offer everything from six to 12 week coaching services where I create a strategy for you and really help you to navigate your business in a way that can, you can get sales, get customers without the use of ads. So again, it's an amazing service. I love working one-on-one with my incredible product businesses. So if you have a a subscription box business or a a e-commerce business, and you're struggling with marketing, you're struggling with sales, you're not sure what to do to get customers, then you are a great fit to to work with me. And if you have not already subscribed to the podcast, please go ahead and subscribe. And each month I choose a winner to that wins a 60-minute consulting service with me for leaving a review. So please go ahead and leave a review. I absolutely love reading them. I also really like to know what you're loving about the podcast and what you learned from every episode. So definitely hit me up and drop a review. And if you have any questions, if you have feedback, if you want to nominate someone for the podcast, send me a DM on Instagram. I love hearing from you directly. And I love knowing what you're liking about the podcast. All right, guys, thanks so much for your support. And I will talk to you next week. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you love this episode, please go ahead and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, and then take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram stories. Tag me in it at Carrie a Fitzgerald. My name is in the show notes. Thank you so much. And I'll see you guys next week.